This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 26th, episode 2690, brought to you today by State Line Tech. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, we have a good show planned for you today. We have inventor Lindsay Barrick is going to be here. Also, Jamie's Dream Horse movie review that we promised you on Monday and never did. So I gonna... totally forgot. Like <laughs> I, I, I was done and went downstairs and I'm like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> It has and, to be written down. And we have some weird news for you, so we're excited about our guests. We're also going to talk a little bit in the health segment today about body conditioning score, because there's been some conversations in the auditor room recently about horses looking skinny and things like that. Uh, so we're going to talk about how how that whole body condition scoring works in, in our health segment brought to you by Purina. But first, remember last week on the weird news, you brought us the story of the poor person who lost their $26 million winning lottery ticket. Yes. Well, there's a happy story out of Massachusetts yesterday, and this is kind of unbelievable, to be on- honest with you, and, and it involves honesty. So this Leah Rose went into the Lucky Stop convenience store in Southwick, Massachusetts, near where she works. She's a regular customer there, and apparently she buys expensive scratch-off tickets because she bought the $30 Diamond Million scratch-off ticket. I that cannot- is gambling. I don't think I've ever done more than a $10 ticket, <laughs> usually a $1 ticket. But she was on her lunch break, so she scratched it off real quick. She looked at it, and she wasn't a winner, so she actually handed it back to them, and they threw it away in the ticket basket. Well, now, 10 days later, get this, the owner's son of the store was going through the ticket basket. Apparently, he does this on a regular basis to see if he can find any that people threw away that they didn't they won and they didn't notice. So he found this one and she had far- forgotten to scratch off one of the scratchy things. And underneath it, Jamie, was $1 million. What? Yes. So this is where the story gets really happy. The son knew that this lady has buys these kind of tickets and kind of remembered that this lady had bought the ticket and, and gave it back to throw it away and knew it was this lady's ticket. And he honestly called the lady up. They went over to the lady's place of work and walked in and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you. And she said, no, I'm working. Uh, I, I can't do it right now. And they said, no, we really need to talk to you. And they, the store owners handed her the $1 million ticket. That is crazy. Well, I guess how many people in that tiny little town buy the $30 lottery ticket? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so do, does it say what she did? Did she give well, them a- She was in total disbelief. She cried. She hugged them. The store automatically gets a $10,000 bonus for, for selling the ticket. So they get some money out of the deal. But this lady also, to extend the story a little bit further, she almost died in January of COVID. 
She was in the hospital for a very long time. They had her in ICU. She almost died. And here she said she feels like now she's won the lottery twice this year. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a half. That's a half. And the fact that they found the ticket, that would have been a million dollar ticket just gone if they had the sun not been rummaging through the pile. Stay, stay out of the trash, boy. Stay out. Get out of the trash. Actually, you know what? Go ahead and go through the trash. Yeah, I think great. go through every ticket in the trash. <laughs> So there you go. There's a happy lottery story to make up for the one that was so sad last week, which was really, really sad. And now it's time for Daily Winnies. And I do have a couple of these. Patricia De Silva, who is the boss over at Heels Down Magazine and Heels Down Happy Hour. Happy birthday to her. Also, Eco Gold Pads. Eco Gold Pads. Woman. Yeah, that's true. And also, auditors Emily uh, Parmenter and Claire Kirsch. Both of you have birthdays and very, very happy birthday to both of you. Emily's our friend from Alaska that we spent some time with. And you should know how to say her last name it's Parmenter. Parmenter. Okay, we'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. And tonight at 7.30, I wanted to announce that we're doing the Stable Scoop Roundtable with three of the hosts of the Horse Radio Network talking about some interesting stuff. That'll be live over on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page or the Stable Scoop Facebook page or pretty much a lot of pages and in the auditor room as well. So look for that then. Have you ever, like... Oh, my skin is crawling, Glenn. And this has nothing to do with my daily Winnie. I'll get <laughs> okay. to that in a second. I found a tick, like a tiny little tick on me, uh, mm-hmm. like a cup, an hour All ago. right, we're going to talk about that. Oh, my God. I know a little I about like that. I ticks all over my body. <laughs> I know. I just keep itching. Like, I, I, I feel something. I'm like, oh, my God, what is that? Oh, it's my hair. All right, you know, we'll ah. come back to that. Let's do your review. I do want to come back to that, though. Okay. Well, I wanted to give my daily Winnie to a, a movie. That's right. Dream Horse. The, the story of Dream Alliance, an unlikely racehorse bred by Welsh bartender Jan Vokes. With very little money and no experience, Jan convinces her neighbors to chip in in their earnings to help raise Dream. Basically, buy a broodmare, breed it, have a baby, raise it, and win. So the movie is about that. Now, oh my gosh, let me start out by telling you, it's freaking great. Really? I mean, you liked it, it that much? It is great. And I watched it on my phone because the, 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 the production company. Yeah, it's in the movie theater. It's not even movie. out yet, right? I couldn't get it. Yeah, I think it's out now. Um, but I couldn't get it to like mirror to my TV. So I just watched <laughs> it on my phone. And as tiny as it was, it was still so good. Oh, my gosh. Tony Collette, who plays Jan. I mean, that woman tells a story with just her face, like just her face. It's so amazing. And the husband is great. The whole cast is phenomenal. And it's this story of she she like has this, she's really bored, you know, and, and you can see the very mundane existence that she's living. And so a guy walks in the bar and he's like talking about when he had a racehorse and she just gets this idea to buy a broodmare breed it, have the baby, raise it, send it to a trainer and watch it race. And by the way, people, this is based on a true story. Yes, it's a true story. And so it was, so knowing that it's a true story to me, that's my favorite kind of horse movie because it, it really happened versus, you know, 
She had to save the family farm and go to a big dressage competition. <laughs> yes, and met a and boy. Win a million dollars. <laughs> and met a boy who helped her tame the wild Frisian. You know, like all that stuff. So this actually really happened, and it is it is a great great All right. story. I have a lot of questions. Let me ask this one first. It, it, this was taking place in a little town in Wales, right? It yes. was a little town in Wales. Were the accents as thick in the movie as they were in the documentary that was about this? I don't, I didn't see the documentary. Well, I, you could maybe, barely understand half of what they were saying because they had really Welsh accents. <laughs> no, like, they probably toned it down okay. a little bit, but there's a couple people that have really thick Welsh accents that are in it, but they're, they're just so funny. The and the characters so... in the documentary, there were some interesting characters in that town. Yeah, they portrayed those guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they okay. portrayed a lot of the people that were very interesting, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. The cast did so great. Now, here's the super exciting part is that the you know Tony Collette, who if you guys have okay, in the sixth sense, she is the mom of the boy who sees dead. Oh, is that right? I didn't put that together. Yeah, and when she's talking about the uh, at the end of the movie, when she's sitting in the car and they're talking, and she's like, I, I just got shivers because that movie gives me shivers every damn time I watch it. <laughs> I, I, I like I, I get teary eyed thinking about her sitting in the car with her kid, and you know she's like, "What did he's like? What did your mom tell you? Because you've been going to her gravestone, you've been saying things." And then she's like, "Do I make you proud?" Ooh, see, it gets me every time. I can't even talk about it. It like makes me so amazing, uh, emotional. Anyway, she's the one, and she is such a phenomenal actress, and she does such an amazing job. Here's the cool part. I don't get to talk to Tony Collette, but I get to talk to the actual Jan is coming on to retired race. No, really? Did an amazing job booking guests. Yeah. So we're going to record that next Wednesday, I believe. Um, you got the real so lady. We got the real Jan. Oh my God. So I cool. didn't even that's know that. That's very exciting. <laughs> we don't tell you everything. Jeez, that's time. terrific. And if you get a chance now, go back and watch the documentary on Netflix. That's called Dark Horse. Okay. So that's the documentary about the real people because they filmed the whole thing while they were doing all of this. So definitely go back and watch the documentary. Then I'd be interesting to hear hear you. I'll go ahead and watch this movie, and then we can talk about how the two, how close the two are. But yeah. but so Susan from Saddle Seeks Horse, one of our regular guests here, the blog reviewed it. Also, I saw it, and she said this. She said the last horse movie I saw that was this good was my all time favorite Sea Biscuit. She put it right up there with Seabiscuit. God, that is a great movie. <laughs> so, w Rotten Tomatoes, we looked this up. Oh, my God. I have never seen this. Tell them what Rotten Tomatoes... It was 97% with the critics and 98% with the regular people. That's insane. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so, obviously, Susan also loved this movie. She just loved everything about it. She could... You know, she said, yeah, a couple of the horsey scenes were maybe a little whifty, but... You know, she said the mo the storyline just overrates that. Do you agree? You just I do. You know, uh, th there's a part in like Secretariat, okay, where you know she walks up to Secretariat and he's on the track and she looks him in the eye and she's got her face pressed up to his. You know, and I remember when we got to talk to Penny Chenery, and I said something about, "Did you ever ride him?" And she's like, "Um, there's a lot of things in that movie that didn't happen. They had to Disneyfy it a little bit because like he was a big stallion." He was a big, tough racing stallion. And you just think like that horse going to bite your face off, you know, <laughs> right. and, and that in this scene, there's kind of like a, a connection like that. And I was like, this got to be a big stallion. Well, if not, it turns out the gelding. So maybe it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the parts that I would. And the other thing I was really worried about 
because the racing footage is amazing. I don't know how they film. I mean, it was like, did they use actual intense. footage? Yes. No, they used actual like horses racing. But, but I mean, is, did they use the actual footage from the races? No, but at no? the very okay. end in the credits, they show you, you know, when, when, when it ends, they show you who the people actually are, but there's no, I don't think any real footage, but that, which makes it crazy. Cause that's so expensive to film those jump racing scenes. And, and it was just crazy. But what my main concern was that they were going to do fake Winnie's. Yeah. Did they like, especially during the racing? No fake Winnie's. Yay! Wait a minute. There might've been a few Winnie's peppered throughout the movie, but nothing. <laughs> was that applause? That was applause. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, there was no fake Winnie. Like when they land over a jump, I was like, please don't Winnie. Please don't Winnie. <laughs> they didn't. So I was that happy with that. So it's, it's a beautiful, like the, the scenes are beautiful. The town is. They, Quintessential they the Wales. <laughs> it's this old town that's probably been there for five thousand years. It's yeah, just crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I I think everybody should go go see this movie. It's really it's it, it does horse movies proud. I I took a sentence out of Susan's blog. She said another snippet of dialogue I had to write down while watching Dream Horse was how when Jan said of Dream, he's made me feel important for the first time in years. And to her cohort of fellow owners, she said how the horse had reminded us all what life is like when you have hope. You know, this town w was in a bad place. You know, it was basically a mining community and that was going down. It was the whole town was depressed. And, you know, that small a town, everybody knows each other. And, I, you know, these these quotes were said basically in the documentary, too. So and, and that's what I, why I loved Tony Collette's performance in it, because what you just said, I heard her voice say it. Mm. And she is so. She's just phenomenal. And she just so it's so a feel it, good it, movie, too. Yeah, but I did cry like nine times. By the way, so did Susan. So you weren't alone. <laughs> okay, but like, but like I cry in Sea Biscuit. I cry in Secretariat. Like I cry in just like portrayals of horses on the big screen that are like inspiring. You know, like I I couldn't even finish the American Pharaoh documentary on Netflix. I just like, cry too hard, and it's not. It's, he's fine. Like there's nothing wrong. It's just swell of emotions that happen when I watch things like that. I don't know. Anyway, well, it is out in movie theater. It's not on Netflix yet. You can't get it online yet. It's out in movie theaters right now because it's in playing in Ocala here. Hey, get back to the world, people. Go out to the <laughs> well, some are not even open, I think, in some places. But if your movie theaters are open, guaranteed this showing of this movie will not be full. You'll have plenty of social distancing uh, for this kind of movie at the movie theater. But maybe Jennifer and I will head over and watch it because I it'd be, would it be better to see this one on the big screen, you think? Um, I definitely better than well, your two inch I mean, screen. <laughs> better than my iPhone, but yes, it would. I would like to see it again on a big screen. Okay, good. Well, then we're going to have to make that point to get that done this week. I love your review. It makes me feel so good that they didn't screw this one up. To be honest, <laughs> makes me yeah. feel so good. I mean, and like I said, the casting is just amazing. The, every every single person who played every single person was awesome. Now go watch the documentary. It's called Dark Horse. Uh, okay. yeah, interested to see what you think then. So a state line tack right now, I did some research this morning. They have a sale going on right now. If you go to the homepage uh, and if you go to the Rambo blankets and sheets, I went in there and looked and I actually compared some of these 
sheets, by the way, they have uh, about 15 different styles of blankets and sheets in there. And these are some of the leftover blankets from from the winter and also some summer sheets. If you go in there and take a look, I took a look at the prices and compared them. I went to Google and I did the Google shopping search and compared prices. God, that thing's nice. I like that. I use it all the time. But I used the Google Shopping Search, and their bottom line price was lower than 99% of the others and equal to about 1% of other stores that were also having sales. So if you want a good price on some Rambo products, head on over right now to statelinetac.com. Quantities are limited on some of these. I, I noticed that they have the Rambo WUG, and that was limited in quantities to certain sizes and things, so you're going to want to go over and do that today. But they were definitely more down to the lowest prices I could find on the internet. And I did take a look around this morning. So statelinetac.com is where you go to find all of that. Well, right now, we are going to talk a little bit about a horse that Jamie has in training. I saw you post about this yesterday. I did. Yeah. So I have this horse that just came in for, well, he came in a couple weeks ago. Uh, His name is Why Not Oki. Why Not Oki? Why Not Oki. Okay. You get a lot of Okies there in Oklahoma. Big surprise. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's an organization called well, it's a trust. It's called the Richter Family Trust, and they breed. And most of the horses that they have are named. There's Okie somewhere in the name. So I've had, you know, like I've actually had two Okies adopted out of here. They're fantastic, typically fantastic horses. They are started in Western saddles and ridden up and down hills, apparently. And uh, I would, I, I would love to talk to somebody from there because it, it would just, it's, it, they just come with just more balanced and more training, uh, most of them. Um, but this guy came to me. He's sixteen one. He's chestnut, and he's got like a faint star. He's as plain as they come, <laughs> but he, he came in and, uh, and I got him some shoes and got him feeling a little bit better. And I've been riding him a bit and he came off the track because he had a quarter crack. And so that's grown out. Now we finally got that gone. He's, they kept him at the rescue for eight months, letting his feet grow out. And I, I've started him and he is just, he's awesome. He's a lot of horse. Like recently, a lot of the horses that we've adopted out from horse and hound, I say we, me and, you know, I didn't do anything. They, they handle all that, but the horses we've adopted out have gone to kids or amateurs. And this is just a horse that he's just a lot of horse. He, he needs a professional to train him. And, uh, so I decided I'm going to foster him and keep him here and ride him. And if I decide to adopt him down the road, I will, but uh, he just, he just needs a little more than I can give him in a, you know, quick week or two turnaround like I typically do. So I decided to to have a horse. Look at me. <laughs> Don't you have like six horses? I have a pregnant, hopefully pregnant broodmare. I have a 27 year old and I have two, two year olds. And then I have a Mustang who's a pain in the ass. So, uh, I have those guys. So you do have a lot of horses, just not a lot of useful horses. Well, they're useful in their own ways. (laughs) (laughs) The two-year-olds are still growing. I won't start them till they're three. And then the pregnant broodmare, she's just walks around and looks big. And hopefully she's, like I said, we'll find out on, I think the 5th, June 5th, if she's she took. Um, so she's got a job. Duke, the 27 year old, he helps me start all the babies. So he's got a job. And then the Mustang does nothing but escape and eat food. So <laughs> I did notice that and you he's start a trail horse. He's awesome. 
You started a trend on the auditor room of uh, people wanting to have babies with their mares, I noticed. No, no, no. No, no, no. They started it, and then I jumped on. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, like, watching all these people posting pictures of their baby horses, and I was like, I, I, I have baby fever. Here I was I blaming baby. you. I shouldn't have been blaming you. Nope. Was not me. It was them. <laughs> so anyway, so this guy needs a name. I can't call him Oki because I've already had like twelve Okies. Um, and I, so I was like, "What can I? What can I? Call, what's why not? What's why not in Spanish?" And I was like, "I cannot call him y por qué no." <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so, like volcano. <laughs> <"Y> volcano. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I need to get him a get him a proper name. So uh, it doesn't have to be Marvel. I love the the Marvel things. But I was like, okay, well, what's big and red and Marvel? You know, because all my horses are named after Marvel characters. And I was like, well, there's the Hulkbuster. That's big. I like Buster. That sounds boring. And then Tony Stark, Iron Man. I can't call him Tony. He's not. You know, that reminds me of like an Tony's Italian a draft guy. horse name. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so he needs a name. So if anybody has suggestions, I posted it on Horses in the Morning and the Horses in the Morning Auditor Facebook pages photo. And, and uh, y'all let me know what you, what you think, what you like. Very good. Well, it is time for our horse health segment. This horse health report is brought to you by Purina Omega Match. And today we're going back a little bit in time, a couple of years. I saw some posts, speak of the auto room, I saw some posts on there about some skinny horses and there were some conversations about uh, about health and skinny horses and body conditioning. And I had done this fascinating uh, interview with Dr. Richards from Australia who's a nutritionist, and she talked all about body condition scoring, how it's done, what do those numbers mean from 1 to 10, you know, and, you know, what's bad, what's good, and we're going to play that for you now, and hopefully that will help some of you that we're having this discussion. Uh, I know the listeners were having it, so hopefully it'll help some of you. Well, hi, Dr. Richards, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Good morning, Glenn. It's great to be back with you. You're morning my late afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I know. Thanks for the coordination. <laughs> we'll remind everybody that Dr. Richards is in Australia, where it's winter, and I am in Lexington, Kentucky, where it's summer. Yeah, uh, and I am very envious. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> now, your winters, do they get really bad where you are? No, I'm being a sook. Where we are, it's it's pretty mild. Um, it? We don't even get frosts where we are, so okay. I, I am whinging. Uh, gotcha. You're just playing with me here. <laughs> All right. So, we, you know, we, we have you on. You are with uh, one of our sponsors, FeedXL, and we appreciate you joining us also to do some tips. And I think today you really wanted to talk about body condition, right? I do, yes. Well, tell us about body condition and, and the body condition score. I've heard different versions of this. Before. Yeah, there is a couple of different versions. I think um, the most widely accepted is the uh, Henneke, which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it was published in 1983. It's a, a um, one to nine scale. We also have an Australian version, which is a one to five scale, but I find it just doesn't have enough scope for actually classifying horses as far as their um, condition goes. So what a body condition score is basically is, is looking at how much fat a horse has on its body um, and you're assessing the horse outside of how much um, muscle that horse has so you sort of have to take into account the differences say between a, a Clydesdale or a quarter horse and a, a thoroughbred or a standard bred I mean they've got very very different muscling patterns in most cases but um, you have to just look at the parts of the body where the fat accumulates so that you're not getting muscle confused with fat if that makes any sense. 
Well, I'm certainly glad they don't do this for horse husbands because uh, <laughs> I think I'd be way, often, up, I'd be way up the poking, scale there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm often poking my husband in the ribs condition, scoring him as a joke. <laughs> oh, I must, uh, so, it must be horrible. I'm a, I'm a horse. I'm a known as America's horse husband, but it must be terrible being a horse husband of a nutritionist. Oh, I'd man. imagine so. <laughs> and and also the child of a nutritionist too. You don't oh, get to eat. No. <laughs> Jeez, you anyway, can't do anything so, wrong. <laughs> so condition scoring is is super useful, and it's something that um, everyone who owns a horse should know how to do, um, and also something that you you should do pretty much almost on a daily basis. For me, it's just become a habit. If I come across a horse, um, I'll just almost purely out of habit, we'll just run my hands over them and, and get a gauge for how much fat that horse has on its body. So um, condition scoring you use to determine if you're feeding your horse enough, um, if you're feeding your horse too much. So, you know, if your horse is suddenly starting to put on fat, um, you have to go back and adjust that horse's diet because it's obviously getting too many calories in its diet. Uh, in the reverse, if your horse is starting to lose condition and you're picking that up um, when you're condition scoring your horse, then then something's amiss in the diet as well and that horse isn't either isn't getting enough feed or there's something missing in that diet that's causing it to lose weight. Um, you might have started to work your horse a little harder. Um, and you and your feeding program hasn't caught up to that, so it's it's really the the only way um, to tell if you're feeding your horse the right amount of calories in its diet. It's all well and good to use something like FeedXL, um, which will give you an estimated requirement for energy for that horse, but so many things affect a horse's energy requirement. So even little things like um, the weight of the rider, the terrain it's being ridden on, um, what its temperament's like. So you'll get these nervous horses that seem to fret away quite a bit of their energy or you'll get these really placid horses that um, just don't don't burn up energy fretting at all. So there's all of these different factors. Your climate um, is another one. So the the energy requirements that we calculate um, using FeedXL or that any nutritionist is going to calculate for you, it's only a best guess. Um, you have to condition score your horse as well to to work out if you're feeding it the right amount of feed. Okay, so when you say condition score, there's actually a, a sort of rating table, isn't there? There is, yep. Um, now, we have a newsletter on our website, which I think you'll refer people to, but it, it gives you some pictures. Um, and, and any number of websites um, will give you diagrams and pictures of horses um, in the different body condition scores. But there is certainly a, a really well-established um, method of condition scoring, and I'll, I'll just run through some yeah. of them yep. now if you'd like. Yeah, sure. um, so score one is what they call poor. Um, now, poor basically is a walking skeleton, and when you see the picture yeah. on our newsletter, it's yeah. just you, you look at these things and think, how are you still alive? Um, you know, I feel sorry for um, horse owners who, who lose horses through colic and, and things with all the best intentions in place, and yet these people who neglect these horses and get them looking like this, and the things are still alive. Um, so they're, they're tough little critters, but basically one is um, – literally a walking skeleton. Uh, condition score two is what we call very thin. Um, so almost a walking skeleton, but there is still just the tiniest little bit of muscle mass there um, over its its rear end and a little in its rump. But basically all of its muscle 
nearly all of its muscle is wasted away and you will not find any fat on that horse. So very ribby um, hip bones will be sticking out. You can really see the structure of the, the shoulder. Um, the, the neck will often be U-shaped as well. Uh, stepping up to score three is what we call thin. Um, again, this horse will will be still very ribby. Um, its hip bones will still be very prominent and the structure of the shoulder is, is still pretty easy to see. Um, also, the, the vertebra of the backbone, um, you'll be able to see quite clearly, uh, particularly over its wither, but um, depending on how emaciated or how thin it is also over its loin area. Um did I say ribs sticking out? Um, definitely, the ribs will, ribs will be really prominent. Um, there will be some muscle on this horse, but again, there's there's very little to no fat uh, whatsoever on there. So, scores one, two, and three. You don't want any horse in those categories. Um, they're too thin. So, if you've got a horse in in any of those categories, you need to feed it more. Um, and I will mention here, if you've got a horse that's that's in the the poor, so the walking skeleton category or even the very thin category that have come from a starvation type situation, you need to be really careful how you feed those guys in the first couple of couple of weeks to a couple of months of, of refeeding them. Um, there is very good guidelines published and I'll let people just go and look those up um, with refeeding starved horses, but I know everyone's natural tendency is to want to feed them a lot to build them back up as quickly as possible, but um, more often than not, they will experience what they call refeeding syndrome and they can die. It's just too much for their poor body to um to cope with if you give them too much feed too quickly. And, and so, that actually will happen with humans too. It it does, yeah. And sadly it happened with a lot of prisoners of war when they right. they uh, were eventually they rescued. They got they, out and uh, went crazy eating. and Yeah, you know. yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, you find someone who's starving or, or a horse who's starving and you, your natural tendency is to say, Here, here's yeah, food, but yeah, yeah. you need to be really careful. Um, so score four is um, moderately thin, and this is where we get into our our normal um, categories of horses. So it's quite acceptable for a horse, depending on on its body type and the type of work it's doing. Um, it's quite acceptable for a horse to be in this moderately thin category. So th- these horses, their their neck and their shoulders aren't obviously thin, so you can't see their bony structure anymore in their shoulders. Um, their neck it shouldn't be U shaped anymore. Um, you will still, in, in most horses in this condition, you will still be able to see a faint outline of their ribs, and that's probably the easiest way to tell this condition. Um, so their ribs aren't like poking out, but you can you can still just see them when the horse is standing still. Um, their backbone, the vertebrae won't be visible anymore. Um, so there's not there's not a lot of fat on these horses. They're, sh- they're behind their shoulder has still got a lovely nice curve, like sort of in in front of where your girth would go. There's still you know a lovely big dish from their shoulder into their their rib cage there. Um, there's not a lot of fat on these guys, but they should be well muscled and in good condition. Their coats should be lovely and shiny. So they look healthy. Um, they're just on the lighter side. You'll see a lot of um, endurance horses in this category. Um, you'll see some thoroughbred and standard bred racehorses when they're getting towards the end of a, a um, racing prep in this category. They're getting just a little bit thin, but um, that that's sort of the types of horses you'll see. Condition score five is the is the middle and the ideal for for most performance horses. Um, so condition score five, pro- the easiest way to tell these guys is um, you can't see their ribs when they're standing still, but when they start moving around and turning and things, you should still be able to see just a faint shadow of their ribs. Now some horses I find um, are what I, what I call fat 
ribbed. <laughs> so they get quite a bit of condition over their ribs, even though there's not a lot of fat on, in other parts of their body. So just yeah, that's why that. you sh- we see that with the quarter horses over here too. Yeah, um, we get it in stock horses. Even some thoroughbred fillies um, will do it as well. So there's not a lot of fat on them, but um, they're still quite soft over their ribs. So you need – this is where – you need to feel their neck. So the crest of their neck becomes really important when you get up into these higher condition scores. So if you feel the like right on the tip of the crest of a neck of a um, a fit horse that doesn't have a lot of fat, so something that's in score four or five, um, the skin on the top of their neck will just roll sort of loosely over um, over where their mane is. You can roll it backwards and forwards. And when you pinch it, you kind of just pinch up a, a piece of skin. There's not like a, a fat. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you get up higher, if you start running a horse, your hands over a lot of horses, you'll start to feel when they get that fat, crusty neck. So feel their neck, feel over their ribs, um, and look behind their shoulder. That's they're the three places that I find most useful for condition scoring. I tend not to use the tail head, which is mentioned a lot, um, mainly because when you're condition scoring weanlings and yearlings, it's not a part of the body that you really want to go for, <laughs> lest you get your head kicked in. Yeah. So I tend to I tend not to use that area a lot, and I don't find it particularly useful either um so so score five they don't have fat accumulated in their neck um you can feel their ribs very easily but um you can't see them when they're just standing still generally um and behind their shoulder in front of where their girth goes has still got a lovely shape about it getting up to score six moderately fleshy um they will start to get a little bit of fat in their neck the area behind their shoulder starts to fill in just with a little bit of soft fat and their ribs um, become harder to feel so you actually have to press now to feel their ribs they're a little bit spongy over their ribs um score seven is fleshy now i find score six and score seven quite difficult to um differentiate because they are quite close um, but basically score seven there's more fat in the neck more fat behind the shoulder and more fat over the ribs so um, they are two tricky ones but there's the seven guys are quite soft over the ribs and they, they do have quite a bit of fat built up in their neck um, score eight is fat these guys are fat <laughs> funny enough um so their neck has become really full with fat so very um it, it may not have that real cresty appearance so it may not sort of rise in the middle and, and have that bump but when you feel it, it the top of their neck is broad and when you squeeze it you're not just grabbing skin anymore in fact you can't grab the skin anymore no it's so tight it <laughs> yep um behind their shoulder like if you look from their shoulder to their ribs it, it it basically becomes flush, so it's flat. There is no nice curve in there anymore. Um, and and their ribs, you, you're lucky to be able to feel them. Um, you can feel them back sort of just in front of their um, – I've lost the word. <laughs> flank. They're flank, yeah. yeah they're back <laughs> end. It's early in the morning here. <laughs> so just in, like the, the ribs that are quite close to the flank, you can nearly always feel them on most horses. So be careful not to go for that region. Look at the little diagram in our newsletter and, and always use the region of the ribs that's shaded there. Um, but basically you, you almost can't feel the ribs on these horses that are fat. Um, and then score nine, extremely fat. I can probably say that I've, I've never actually come across a horse that is in this category. Um, they're quite rare but they are just i had a pony i bought a pony that was in this category (laughs) yeah so they're the ones that i mean they've they've got like the um the fat bulges around the the tail um, cellulite (laughs) yeah and their neck you know can um, is so crusty that'll often hang to one side their ribs you cannot find 
And you have to be careful bringing them back down, too. Um, you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes, you know, we talked about bringing them up from a one to, to, to get to that five. But bringing them down from a nine to get back to that, that, that uh, preferred category uh, is, is almost as tricky. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. I mean, it's really you can't hard. Starve them. You have to feed them. You know. No, that's right. Yeah, we're going to talk about feeding an easy keeper in another tip, I think. But, um, but you're right. You can't starve them because you will cause more health problems than they've got um, being overweight. Um, and it needs to be a combination of diet and exercise as well. You can't just right. Um, you know, re- restrict their diet and not exercise. Well, you know, and it's so funny because this correlates to humans so well. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, when we're <laughs> trying. By the way, I scored myself at around a six. I'm, I'm <laughs> saying moderately fleshy. <laughs> Uh, my wife might disagree, but I'm saying... I was going to say, what would your wife say? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She might have me between a six and a seven, but I'm going six, and I'm, I'm sticking with that. <laughs> so there's, um, as far as what condition score your horse should be in or, or different horses should be in, there is some guidelines. So um, a growing horse, I like to see them nothing heavier than a five um, because all you're doing is putting too much weight or excess weight on their poor little immature bones and joints um, so if you can keep them at a at a five that's um, perfect for for those guys pregnant mares and lactating mares anywhere between a five and a seven depending on the on the type of horse so if you've got a, a mare that you know drops away really quickly after she has a foal because she she puts so much effort into making milk and looking after her foal then you want to have her sort of towards um, six and a half seven so that she has got weight to lose and not end up looking like a um, an emaciated horse by the time she's finished feeding her foal. But if you've got a really good doer that you know doesn't drop away after having a foal, then keeping her around condition score five or six is, is plenty for them. Most mares, um, your typical thoroughbred mare, I don't like to see any heavier than a six because they just get so cumbersome and they've got so much weight on their poor little hooves mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're just really uncomfortable. So keeping, keeping your normal mare around a six before she foals is, is good. Um, breeding stallions and performance horses we usually keep around a five, um, depending on, on what they're doing and, again, the type of horse they are. So if you've got a, a stallion that tends to drop away during the breeding season, you can get him up higher than that before the breeding season. Um, so he's got a little bit of weight to play with. And performance horses, um, you know, dressage horses and, and horses where – there's quite a bit of focus on how they look as well as how they perform will often be heavier than a than a five but certainly they shouldn't be any heavier than a condition score of six because again it just it puts so much pressure on their joints when they're working um and idle horses that are just sitting around not doing anything in the paddock anywhere between a four and a six is is fine for them as well and you this is a very good uh document it's a pdf file um and you can we can find it at feedxl Dot com? Yes. Yep. Okay. There's a, a link up the top that's newsletters. So if you have a look in there. All right. And it, it was why uh, it's titled Why Body, why Body Condition Score. And yep. it is very good. I recommend that people go to that. That's feedxl.com and print this out and just keep it around. Um, it, it is handy and it's it's very well explained. That's one of the things I liked about it. It's pretty clear about which which level and also how to condition score your horse. And it has a little diagram there of, of uh, which parts you uh, which parts you, you go after to check the score? 
Well, we want to thank Dr. Richards for doing that. If your horses can't get out in green grass for their daily dose of omegas, Purina's got you covered. The Purina team of PhD equine nutritionists have two new products that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids and taste better than many other sources, including fish oil. Try the new Purina Omega Match Timothy-based ration balancer or the Ahi Flower Oil Supplement and see for yourself why these are among some of the best omegas that nature offers. It takes science and love together, each pulling their weight to help your horses live their best lives. Put our research to the test at PurinaMills.com slash Omega Match. And now let's hear from one of the other terrific shows. This is one that Jamie knows very well here on the Horse Radio Network. The Horsemanship Radio podcast is dedicated to the advancement of great horsemanship throughout the world. Monty Roberts often stops by to present on this podcast, hosted by his daughter and legacy strategist, Debbie Roberts-Lauks. The show includes segments, tips, and interviews exploring effective training centered on the well-being of the horse. This multiple award-winning podcast has 1.6 million downloads to date. Horsemanshipradio.com, sponsored by Hands-On Gloves and Monty Roberts University. And Jamie's been a regular guest on that show over there, actually. I have, and I still do the Ask Monty at the end of the show. I get to read a, quite a letter written to Monty, and then I answer it. I need to start doing his voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we said earlier in the show, we have Lindsay Barrett coming with us today. She is our Equiderma Guest of the Week, and she's a farm manager here at a farm in Tallahassee, Florida, also an eventer. And from what I hear, she's had done some interesting things in the past that we're going to talk about, too. Hi, Lindsay. Hey there. So what farm are you at in Tallahassee? We are Mayhan Farm in up in Tallahassee, like you said, and our team up here is called MF Eventing. And obviously you're eventers, so you're you're getting into full season here. Oh yeah, I feel like it's always full season. <laughs> <laughs> it's true nowadays because down here you event in the winter too. There's no break anymore. Just keep going. We don't have a season. We just go. <laughs> <laughs> are you in Florida right now or are you up north doing shows? Nope, we're in Florida year round. Okay, good. Now you started riding when you were really young and did the whole Florida State University equestrian team and all of that. But there's something I want to fast forward to, and I'll get back to eventing. But it said in your bio that you also vaulted for the circus at one time. Yes. Um, We have a vaulting troupe called the Zingara Riders. And we got picked up by an Italian traveling circus. um, And we worked for almost all of 2019, all over the country. Uh, We worked from Las Vegas to Chicago and back and forth a couple of times through Colorado and New Mexico and all up and down the California coast um, for this particular circus. And, uh, yeah, our our group, we had three horses and a miniature mule, and we performed every day, twice a day, for about eight months that we were on the road, most recently. And that was a vaulting <clears throat> performance, right? Yes, um, vaulting and what we call Cossack riding, which is uh, a special trick riding saddle that has some neat straps and a couple different grabbing horns and so forth and so on. And 
so we do bareback vaulting as well as the vaulting with the Cossack saddle, which includes um, some drags uh, on the sides of the horse while they're running and on the back of the horse and uh, standing and for fun, we did a little bit of juggling while we were up there. But. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? How, were you a vaulter before this, or was this something competitively, or was this just something you guys did for fun? No, so it wasn't something I personally had done before. So my best friend, Veronica, is actually the troop leader, and she owns the horses that we were performing with. And we've been friends for almost 10 years now, and she called me up one day and said, listen, I really need somebody else to join this troop. And, you know, she's like, you're the strongest person I know with really good balance. And she came down from uh, Minnesota and with her horses and stayed with me for the whole winter. And we trained every single day uh, on all the horses and at the gym for three straight months while she trained me in the art of Cossack riding and vaulting. So, so in the beginning of that process, in the beginning of that process, do you end up black and blue a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, it, it sure can happen. Uh, learning how to let go when it's appropriate is a big thing. Cause a lot of the times when you're learning, uh, you're just running next, learning how to run up next to the horse while they're running and the timing with that. And you practice a lot of straight jumps where you just kind of grab the handles and jump up and down next to the horse. And if you misstep and you don't let go, uh, you know, gravity's not your friend and the horse (laughs) will drag you and centrifugal force will pull you to the outside of that circle and you'll wind up kind of under their feet. So, and that's never good enough to, no, no, no. I've been fortunate <laughs> enough to let go very quickly. <laughs> so, uh, but learning to stand on them on that circle while they're running, uh, you take a couple falls to the butt. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you were on the road for a long time. That's a, that's a life in itself. I mean, we could do a whole show just on the life on the road. But was there a show oh, or yeah. a particular thing that happened? Uh, you know, the tornado came and took the tent out right before your show? Or was there anything memorable like that that you went, well, this was a show to remember forever? Oh, boy. Um, I would probably say we were in the middle of nowhere in Indiana in a little town called Portage. And I'm from Florida, so I am used to heat. I am used to humidity. But apparently in Indiana, this was a record-setting 114 degrees. And our tent is not climate-controlled. There's no air conditioning. There was no breeze. There was no nothing. And there was heat advisories and keep elderly and senior citizens indoors. We had no air conditioning because we only had generated power um, for a few hours during the performances. So we were just melting at 114 degrees in the circus tent. Um, You know, we were able to roll up the sidewalls and things like that. But when there's no breeze, you know, you're just kind of melting and we would just kind of slide around and our <laughs> costumes would get all discombobulated because we were just 
so hot and so sweaty and there was a couple of Super Bowl costume malfunction moments. (laughs) (laughs) People passing out in the stands. (laughs) Just being so hot. Um, And then luckily this place that we were staying had this cute little spring-fed lake, I guess for lack of a better way to describe it, large pond. And when we were performing, we were just laying in this water. (laughs) Just doing anything we could, and and that was just probably just the most horrible experience that, that we had. And then um, just driving these long, long hours in box trucks, and I, our troop leader was driving our rig and our horses, and then I got hired to drive one of the bigger box trucks because I with a trailer behind it because being a horse girl the circus owner was like i know you know how to haul and i was like oh great (laughs) so driving from indiana to colorado was quite uh interesting in a box truck with four mongolian contortionists that don't speak english (laughs) you can just imagine was john candy in the truck too i just pictured that scene i mean he might have have been. It was literally a scene from a movie. These poor girls were just like, don't speak English. I'm driving. I've got my headphones on because they're listening to what I can only describe as Mongolian rap music. (laughs) So I don't know what they're listening to. They don't understand me. I don't understand them. And we drove across the dang country like that. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Let's. So it was funny. It was. It was great. I, <laughs> I just picture that scene <laughs> in Home Alone yeah, Two, yeah. or was it Home Alone One or Two? Two. It might have been one, actually. Yeah, that's what oh, I pictured yeah, with the accordions in the back. <laughs> All right. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Look, I want to talk to you about one other thing too today, and. I remembered this, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, I was right. You actually, J- Jamie does a show called Retired Racehorse Radio, where they talk a lot about retired thoroughbreds. But you, and, that, and I got to thinking, you wrote a thoroughbred appy a while back, and it was just unique because there weren't too many people inventing thoroughbred appies. Um, Correct. Or breeding them. Or breeding them, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, his name was Chappie, right? Yes. So oh I just got I just got goosebumps. I he was my heart horse. My absolute heart horse. Tell us oh, about Chappie. Talking about him and he was he came to me like I always say I find my best horses when I'm not looking. And I had recently retired um one of my thoroughbreds who had an ankle injury um off of the track and then a few years after Uh, I was done training with him. It just kind of deteriorated and I still have him. He's at our retirement farm and um, I wound up with a warm blood mare that uh, was very unforgiving to say the least. And so I was just kind of, you know, a little down and had it really clicked with another horse. And then I was working with a girl who said, you know, I'm getting ready to leave for college and my mom has, um, my horses and I would really like to find a job for this one and like find a lease situation for him. And I was like, Oh, well, how about you bring him out? Let's give him a try and, and see how we feel. And I put a foot in the stirrup and fell in love. And what 
started as a lease turned into a purchase and the rest was just kind of history and we kind of taught each other a little bit along the way um and oh man what <laughs> level did you get had a crush. what level did you he get to with Chappie? A cross country penalty really the horse never stopped never stopped well wow. an angel and um we had done we had competed through training level at the recognized events we had done one preliminary schooling event and we were signed up for our first preliminary recognized event when he uh, passed away. Um, it was just a very random heat. ruptured his small colon. Oh. It was completely random. He was totally fine one day and then doing some really weird little downward dog looking stretching movements repeatedly. I took him up to the hospital and I would have spent every penny of my savings if there was a surgery to save him. And unfortunately there just wasn't. And you know, that's the hard part of this business. It is. Everyone would probably agree. And, uh, you know, what's so, so cool though is what's so cool is this girl was basically going to put him out to pasture and you got to have the heart horse time with, with Chappie, right? Um, yeah, he left absolutely. you too early, but he gave, you said, as soon as I brought him up, you, you got goosebumps. And that's the way we all feel about our heart horses that are, that are no longer here with us, right? We all feel that way. Just thinking about mine. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I thought about whether I was going to ask you about this or not because of that, but then I thought, you know what, we... We lose horses. That's part of what we do. And uh, but that doesn't take the good memories away. Matter of fact, we remember the good stuff and they tend to forget the bad stuff, the naughty things they mm-hmm. did. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So what are you? Absolutely. So I I really appreciate you being on with us. And I know you have a whole barn full of horses there. And I know you use Equiderma products. So tell us what you use and why you like it. Well, we swear by the whole line, but I will tell you. We go through the fly spray like nobody's business. We use it in our barn when we uh, bed the stalls. We will actually help spray down the walls and the bedding and the stalls. And it is amazing how we have been able to completely reduce, not eliminate, but reduce the fly population significantly. I mean, to the point where people come out and they're like, it's so weird. There's 50 horses on the property and I don't see flies and gnats. And I just like, you know, we explained to them about manure management and dragging pastures and, you know, things like that. And, uh, so we swear by the fly spray and because this is recorded and not live, I'm going to say something cause it may or may not be true, but I was told that the fly spray sterilizes the flies this specific, the Equiderma fly spray sterilizes them so they can't reproduce. Now, I could be way off base and then you can just delete it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I don't know either for sure, so some if one of the listeners could tell us whether that's the case or, or if Equiderma could tell us, I'd, I'd be happy to know that. I can, I I can see Jamie speak. running around squirting flies in her barn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we do and we've noticed like a huge reduction in them, so I'm just going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> We might be making that up, everybody, but uh, if it works, who cares, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I love the fly spray. Live by it. Swear by it. Um, Do you know what's funny, Lindsay, is we had some listeners posting in the past week, uh, because we do these segments twice a month uh, with guests from Equiderma, and we had some listeners posting that are trying it for the first time, and 
I don't think there's been a negative post. It's always been, I tried this, it worked. And the skincare was one I saw posted. They had, uh, I think it was rain rot or something going on, some skin condition. And they said they tried a bunch of different things. And then they tried the skin lotion. And in two days, we always say, give it two to three days and it'll look better. And they said in two to three days, it looked better. And they just couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. The skin lotion is hands down my second favorite product. Uh, I like that it's safe to use on their faces. Mm. I have a pile of chestnut horses right now, and any chestnut horse owner can tell you, like, the skin thing with them specifically is a little harsher, especially here in Florida. And it helps so much with keeping that they kind of get like a, not rain rot, but like a little mucky on their faces, the chestnut mm-hmm. horses, at least in my experience. And I can just keep it on there like a couple days a week. And that problem just eliminated itself. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. There's a testimonial. Equiderma.com is where you find all the complete line of products. And trust us, once you buy one, you're just going to buy them all. So you might as well buy them all to start with. Uh, uh, I, I have the answer do you? that we're looking for. Does it sterilize right. flies? According to this organics page that is promoting or selling uh, the Equiderma fly spray, this is the neem and aloe herbal horse spray. It says, use consistently. Equiderma will cause insect populations to drop by interfering in their normal life cycle. The neem stops the development of eggs, maturation of insect larvae already laid, deter adult mating, sterilize adults, and block the ability of the insect to swallow. There you go. You were (laughs) apparently you were right. (laughs) And I gotta say, the flies aren't as happy at that barn either. They just have nothing to look forward to. (laughs) Right, right. No, nothing at all. Get out of here. Sucks. Can't even swallow. So I don't know. um, We don't have a fly spraying system installed in our barn, but we call it our our manual fly spraying system, (laughs) and we just spray down the walls of the stall and it doesn't need to be an obnoxious amount but just spray the wall and across the top of the bedding and we've seen the fly population just deteriorate i've rapidly. never done that i'm so, going to try that because we live in ocala we have the I'm same problem going with it. so i'm just going with it <laughs> all right <laughs> what's your website where can we where can they find you or how how can they find Lindsay? um we are mayhandfarm.com or on instagram at mfeventing very good thank you Lindsay. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. And now we've learned today that the fly spray will keep the flies from mating. It turns down their like sex drive or it's something. It's anti-sex fly spray. Mating, <laughs> maturing, repopulating. You know, I mean, you could take this part out too, Glenn, but I know some people I could spray this on. Very oh. beneficial. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving this in. Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> All right, bye, bye guys. Bye. bye. <laughs> Come here. Come here. I got hold on. <laughs> okay, you're good. You can walk on now. Go ahead. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Y'all are slacking a little bit. I only had three people submit weird news to me this week. Glenn, I didn't even get one from you. I know. I found one, too, and then I fell asleep before I sent it. (laughs) I mean, what do you do? What do you fall asleep with the phone? Your phone on your chest? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I would like to thank Matt, Laureen, and Alicia for sending these in. I don't think I can use two out of the three of them because, like, you know. 
uh, y'all crazy. <laughs> I, I might even not use any of them because, uh, like, I try not to use death. Like no, we can't use that, death ones. No, <laughs> you can't die in these. That's the it kind of takes the show down a notch. What about like if it's a dead body? Kind of the same thing in a yeah. very weird location. Well, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's kind of like thing. in a statue because he dropped his cell phone in it. Okay, no, you can do that statue. story. I have to hear okay. this. <laughs> All right, I'll get to that with it. All right, well, you guys, if you do ever come across a weird news story, you're like, wow, that's weird. Email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Put weird news in the subject line, then I can keep it apart. Okay, so let's head over to Maharajpur in India. And uh, apparently there's a couple getting married and they had just completed... The exchange of garlands. This is a very, you know, the very ornate Indian wedding. And uh, they had just exchanged the garland and they were getting ready for the main ceremony. And then uh, the, the bride's like, where'd he go? Huh? Where's the groom? He ran. <laughs> he took off. He was like, no, this is not the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. And he it says he purposely fled the scene for reasons still unknown. <laughs> I think we, we kind of know what the reason is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that this is like one of those weddings right. where um, they have to marry. It, the other yeah, an arranged marriage. You know, they still do that there. So this very well could have been his first look at her and he went. <laughs> yeah. Um, so apparently the bride's parents were like, um, this wedding will take place. Oh, no. <laughs> All the single men line up. Oh, no. <laughs> And they went through and they found the groom, the, the the father of the bride selected somebody else. Can you imagine that happening here? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, can no. you imagine you go to this wedding for somebody else and your son's now 18 and you're going to a friend's wedding with somebody else and he's like the best man. And, the, and then the groom runs out and then all of a sudden they line him up and they pick your son as the next one. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Lucas, get up here. I will murder somebody. <laughs> yes. The bride's family deliberated the pool of potential husbands in the groom's wedding party, which was a barat, and settled on an eligible suitor. And then there, at the same venue, the bride married her new groom. Oh, my God. All I can picture is all these guys dancing around a pole on a stage. Uh, that's all I can picture. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you picturing? I don't know. I just thought of Chippendales. They were on. They were on display. <laughs> That's where I thought of that. Everybody, shirts off. Okay, this is a ridiculous story. Okay, you know how they say cats always land on their feet. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. So uh, this has happened in Chicago last week. There was a fire in a building at 65th and Low. And it was on the fifth floor, like apartment complex. And it's on the fifth floor and the windows are, you know, smoke is pouring out of the windows. The windows are broken and they're filming the, you know, the film crews are fire. The news crews always at a fire, you know, and, uh, they're filming upwards and a freaking cat jumps out of the building, plummets five stories down to the ground, hits the ground, walks off. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous! It's a, there's a video of this as well. So you, I mean, it's because you don't believe it. You're like, what? 
Uh, yeah, it happens. There's a video. I've watched it like 20 times. It's very <laughs> it like lands and kind of jumps for a second and just carries on. <laughs> nothing can, can, can kill a cat. We have a lot of squirrels here and they're falling out of the trees all the time. And we have live oak trees. They're very tall. The other day I was out and one fell right in front of me, thump on the ground, got up and walked away. It's that just, I don't know. They mustn't have bones, squirrels and cats, <laughs> or they know how to land one or the other. The first stunt people were cats. That's what it was. <laughs> All right. So uh, Lori sent this one in. I actually, I forgot to mention Lori because uh, she said she, I probably wouldn't be able to use it because it involves a dead person. And she knows. Well, yeah, this is the one I got to hear. I got to hear this. Dead people, but <laughs> there's a, in Barcelona, there's a big giant statue of a stegosaurus. I don't know why, but. It's a big, giant, decorative statue of a stegosaurus. And the <laughs> thing is, missing the headline, missing man found dead inside dinosaur statue. Why was he in the dinosaur statue, you ask? They believe because the, the dinosaur's mouth is open. He crawled in. They think that he dropped his, his they found him with his phone in there. He went in the <laughs> in the statue to get his phone that had fallen in the belly of the, the stegosaurus. And I guess he like shimmied in to the mouth to get the phone and then like couldn't get out or something. I, it, it, again, it's a weird news story. God, but this, yes, this kind of, I'm thinking night at the museum now. <laughs> it's like, why uh, would, what were you doing where you were alone with a statue and you lost your phone and you're like, hmm, this seems like a good idea. I'm going to go in there and get my phone. How long was Why he missing? Do we know? It does not say. All it says is missing mount found dead inside dinosaur statue. There's a photo <laughs> of the giant stegosaurus. And the story is local police near Barcelona believe the man crawled inside the decorative figure to retrieve his mobile phone. Uh, now, Lori also had follow-up questions like, how on earth did they know to look for him yeah, inside anyway. the dinosaur statue? Um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, that dinosaur weird. got one last meal. <laughs> Sorry. Stegosaurus is a vegetarian. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Hold on. I'm looking for those. We, we shouldn't uh, make fun of that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Send all hate mail to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's head over to, <clears throat> maybe I'll save that one for last. Or maybe it was night at the museum and the dinosaur came alive at night and ate him. <laughs> There's a private zoo in Wisconsin that has let local people know that there's a crocodile that has an alligator has escaped. Yes. An alligator named Rex was discovered to be missing from his enclosure last Saturday. Um, the owner of the zoo. Okay. This is when you, when you get to decide what you believe people say or not. Hmm. He says, don't worry. He's not going to pose any danger to the people of Wisconsin because he's very docile. Typically he's very, the quote is, He's not. He's unlikely to pose a danger because, quote, he's typically very docile. Okay, if I see an alligator, I'm not going to assume that it's a, just a docile alligator. It's a very giant missing alligator. So I don't know if our friends in Wisconsin could tell me that they found uh, Rex. And has he been returned to his enclosure? I don't know. But currently, uh, the news that I have is Rex is on the loose. Watch out. 
There was a story like this in China. Did you hear this one? It was a zoo in China, and three leopards, full-grown leopards, got loose. And the safari park, the Hangzhou Safari Park, did not even let the public know for a week that they had leopards on the loose. Public started calling the police in China and saying, hey, there's these great big wild cats that are wandering around our neighborhood. So that's when they had to admit that they lost the leopards. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so they had to dispatch all kinds of teams to find them. They, got, they tranquilized two out of the three, but there's still one leopard reported missing. And they pretty much said, if you see this thing, you just get it, get, get it undercover, get hidden somehow any way you can, because he's probably really hungry by now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that would also be news over here is like why this zoo didn't uh, make an announcement when the leopards went missing for a week. Well, we <laughs> have to finish up in Florida. Oh, we do? Oh, wait a minute. I should have a Fl Florida bumper for that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and now again, here we go to Florida. Are you going to hit the sounder? I did. I just played it. I can't hear. You got to stop putting things on mute. Oh, it's this new system. It's so fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's so fancy. I can't hear it. Um, so uh, this lady, she's like, I'm going to go for a swim out in my backyard. And, uh, and she goes to the the window and she, she opens the sliding glass door and she steps out and she drops her towel and she's in her bathing suit and she walks over to her pool goes to step in. Holy good Lord. There's an alligator, a crocodile in her pool. We get alligators here. It's probably not a crocodile. It's well, the story says it's a crocodile. Oh, well, well that got and loose from I someplace. Can, <laughs> I can see because there's video because her camera caught it and it looks like an alligator, a crocodile with a pointy nose. Yeah. That's a crocodile. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. How did a crocodile it, get in her pool? <laughs> It, it it walks walks over there. Oh my god! Wait, I'm watching the ring the, the video now. There's a guy <laughs> walking over to the pool. There's an alligator. Oh god, they're getting him out now. Okay, all right. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, she called the alligator sure. wrangler over. Yes, there yeah. is. They 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 called the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, and they had to use the pool, uh, like a big like thing to get it out, like a pole. To, mm -hmm. And they put the pole around the nose and they pulled it out of the water. They took the pole off of it and it just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> it does say that American crocodiles are native to the Florida Keys. Okay, this is in the Keys. And it's a fed federally protected species. It is, yeah. Living in Florida. Yeah, I went down to the Keys one time and they explained the difference between the alligators and the crocodiles. And the crocodiles have the pointy noses and the teeth that stick out more. They look meaner, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. How I, I don't know. I don't think I'd get in my pool for a while. I'd let that sanitize for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about sanitation, but I sure gonna look at the bottom of it. You know what? I'd even open up my little like a uh, where, where you open I would up recommend a fence myself around <laughs> your pool. Yeah. That's what. There's there's lots of things that can be done differently, <laughs> but just don't jump in without looking first, people. Well, thank you for the weird news. If they want to send you weird news, where do they do it? All right, email me Jamie at horseradionetwork.com and put. Weird news in the subject line. Very good. And yes, I, we know it's not horsey, but we, we all live lives and uh, are interested in other stuff too. So we've turned a little bit into that as well. 
Well, don't forget tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, we have the Stable Scoop Live at 7.30 on all of the Facebook pages, including Horses in the Morning. And we have three of the hosts of the Horse Radio Network, and they always bring the topics, and it's always a lot of fun. So join us for that. Tomorrow here on Horses in the Morning is the... Uh, sales episode with Kayla and Kayla and Jennifer recorded that one already so that'll be out to you tomorrow and then we'll do some really bad ads on Friday you can find Jamie's Facebook page at Flyover Farm Jamie Jennings certified Monty Roberts instructor typically if you put in Flyover Farm you'll find it and hold there's on. only one farm not S Hold on, auditors. We'll have a little post-show for you today. And I also wanted to give a free plug out to my brother, who has EasySignsOnline.com. If you need a sign for your farm, go check it out. Jamie's sign for her farm is Easy Signs Made. It's on that Facebook page. It's one of the front things. That dude can make a sign. I'll tell you what. That's the best farm signs and the best value that you will find. And he uses materials that don't fade. It shouldn't be fading because he tries to use materials that don't fade a whole lot. So over time, like a painted sign would. But I wanted to bring it up because yesterday I had a rush order for him. I wanted to get some magnets made for our test trip here coming up, which is in two weeks. And I went, oh, I need magnets for the truck with our logos. And I'll have them in three days. And they cost me like $40. It's just... Can he make banners? He makes banners. He makes banners, all kinds of stuff. Magnets, uh, those, not wraps, but the the decals you can put on your your horse trailer or your car um, that just are the sticky kind. So he does those two. And then all sides of farm signs. He does carved and graved ones. He does the big ones for developments as well as churches that you see. So easysignsonline.com. Free plug for my brother. Speaking of free plugs i need a banner for um when i go up to north dakota because the north dakota horse expo next week you guys is it next week already next week holy cow yeah you better call for your banner right after the show (laughs) all right that's it thanks everybody see you at the post show all right spay and neuter geld (laughs) 